We are the agent rainmaker community. We are a group of letting agents that have got together and said, you know what? We're not going to do it like we've always done it. We're going to do things differently. It was the most amazing experience. It was the best thing that we could have done. The little community that's been created, and it's amazing. You don't get that anywhere else. I think she's the patron saint of letting agents. Without her encouragement, I would never have done this. That is Agent Rainmaker. We see things differently. We see opportunities, not obstacles. We are live here with Rob Moore. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks for having me, Sally Kate. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we're absolutely honoured to have Rob Moore with us here today. And he is going to be sharing some really, really deep secrets about how he has managed to become a self-made millionaire by the age of 30 and how to transform and grow so many different businesses. But what I find really interesting, actually, Rob, is that you've grown so many different businesses in different sectors. And I think that's a true testament to entrepreneurship because you've did it once in property and then you did it again in coaching. You've done it again in, in writing books and so many different things. And you're now using that to actually give back with some of the great work that you're doing as well. So I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, you really are the man. You really are the guy. So uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Our listeners um, are they're from all different sectors. It's not just letting agents, not just estate agents, not just property sector, it's business people. So we want to hear your story so thank you so much for joining us today so Rob how did it all start what got you into business um well my dad um is was an entrepreneur and he had pubs and hotels and bars and clubs and restaurants and um any little sort of in the leisure industry business he could get his hand on he did and when I was probably six he got me working in the pub um he didn't get me pulling the pints till I was maybe 11 <laughs> but he got me putting the bottles back on the shelf, what we call bottling up after a busy night and filling the fridges and doing the beer kegs. He got me emptying the fruit machines and the pool tables and counting all the money. And back then when tempies used to be massive like that um, and bagging that all up and counting it. And we used to race counting it as quick as we could, but he had bigger hands so he could count it quicker. Uh, and um, he'd, he'd pay me like a pound and I'd go down to the local shop and get a picture of a Ferrari and then another Ferrari and then a Lamborghini and then a Corvette and then a, another Lamborghini and you know all these um, cars and I'd hang them up all around my wall um, and like I said I'm six seven eight at this point um, uh, but then probably once I got into school and the subjects they teach you in school which are very diverse um, and then you know you get interested in girls and then you've got to think about where you're going to go for sixth form and university that I got lost in that area of my life. I didn't have any direction or focus. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or be. And I never really asked it. I mean, if there's one thing I could say to everyone right now, if you're a bit lost, it would be to ask yourself every single day, what am I supposed to do with my life? Get up the next day. What am I supposed to do with my life? Get up the next day. What am I supposed to do with my life? You could translate that as your vision. You could translate that as your purpose. But I just, you know, the longer you don't ask that, the more you are going to be helping someone else towards their vision and their purpose. Um, and then age 25 years and 11 months, um, my dad had a massive nervous breakdown in his pub and he got um, bipolar. I well, say so he got it, obviously caught up with him. It's not something you catch as a virus. It's a, a mental illness. Um, he had a ma it, it was horrible. It was in his pub in front of all of our customers and he got pretty badly hit and beaten up by the police um not that, that not i'm not criticizing them it just happened it was just a bit of a uh, a messy event and my mum and my sister and myself were outside the front of the pub watching it all as were the customers and he got sectioned and he 
he's been in and out of hospital ever since this was 15 years ago. Um, and so that period of my life, 10, 15 years in the wilderness, it just really dawned on me. I've been complacent, selfish, or probably um, too comfortable, always earning off my mum and dad living in their, their pub above. No responsibility, no autonomy. Um, no, res just, you know, I was a victim, if you like. I blamed the world. I felt like my luck was terrible. All the wrong ways to think about life and success and and i suppose really what that did was that um like you jump start a car that jump started in me the entrepreneurial fire that my dad had put in me when i was six um and that kick-started a chain of events and what i don't want to do is sit here blow me out my own trumpet um but of course i met my business partner mark homer of 15 years at the very first property networking event I went to in 2005, we own, co-own and manage 850 properties and a letting agency and two training businesses, which have done over 20 million um, in, in its best year. Biggest training company in the UK. Obviously, I've written a lot of books. I think it's 16 and I'm on 17, 18 and 19 right now. My podcast has done well. My foundation's doing good. I broke a couple of speaking world records and really all that came from the owning the identity of an entrepreneur and it and me really connecting with it and me really feeling like that is what I am that is who I am um and it's amazing when you discover what and who you are and what you're meant to do how things transpire and opportunities open up and of course when you think you have no luck and opportunity you are right and then when you think the world is your playground and everything is a business opportunity, podcasting is a business opportunity. Zoom is a business opportunity. Amazon is a business opportunity. Um, YouTube is a business opportunity. I could go on and on and on. I just see everything as a business opportunity because I'm filtering the world as an entrepreneur. And so it was nice to, um, it was nice that the worst day of my life then also started a, a chain reaction of things that have been good for me. She's mute. You're muted, sir. That was because the dogs were barking. <laughs> <laughs> Life working at home. It sounds to me like you found your passion and you actually love what you do. But what drives you now? Because you've got the Lamborghinis and you've got all the toys that you dreamt about when you were a child. So what's driving you now? I mean, I noticed that you, you, you've retired many times and started again and retired many times. I mean, I can't see you ever retiring, but what was that like? And what drives you now? <laughs> um, so... For a little while, something's been bubbling inside me to stop chasing the unobtainable. I love a nice car. I've had dozens. Um, and, you know, I love a nice watch. I've had dozens. My watches cost more than some people's houses. Um, I love having loads of social media followers and when my downloads are good that makes me feel good and when my books ranked well but I started to realize and of course many people more spiritual than me have probably been telling me this for years but I started to realize that what's the goal and what am I chasing and am I trying to obtain the unobtainable and then the lockdown happened and I went through sort of two phases within the, within the lockdown um and phase one was, um, I have to take control of this 
and not let this be doomsday because everyone was, let's be honest, most people were, had at some point a very doomsday thought. My business is over, life is over, you know. Uh, um, and it's hard not to get caught up in that fear. So I spent a couple of weeks in denial when it all started coming out. And then when I knew it was going to happen, I spent a couple of weeks in fear. And by the way, fear can be quite good. Fear was getting me up at three in the morning. Fear was getting me to ask every day, what new courses could we do? What's the new business opportunity? Where's the new solution? What service is needed? Where are people going to move to? Where are they going to shop to? Where's the money moving to? And the good thing about being an entrepreneur is you're always looking for the opportunity and you know that the opportunity is solving the problem. So I was half in fear and half in this could be the biggest opportunity in the last 15 years. Because, you know, people have been through recessions, see the upside of a recession and the opportunity that it brings. And I just thought, oh, this could be the biggest opportunity for 15 years. So let's say for eight weeks, 10 weeks, I don't know, of the lockdown, I was working 3 a.m. till 9 p.m., 4 a.m. till um, 8 p.m. on an easy day. And uh, we did minor miracles for our business. We slashed the turner, we slashed the overhead in half, but we doubled, sometimes tri tripled the profit margin on half the turnover. Um, and we reacted very quickly. I was very proud of my team. Um, so many of my team stepped up. Um, we, we created material fast. We solved problems fast. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't with its problems and without its problems and definitely um, painful at times, but it, it was for everyone. And, uh, and then probably five, six weeks ago, maybe, I was just like, what does this all mean? What's the goal? What am I trying to obtain? Um, and I realized I was in fear of losing something, but I, I don't need any more money and I don't need any more cars. And I love where I live. I could live here for the rest of my life. I don't need a bigger house. Um, seven bedroom house. Do I need a bigger house? No, I've not got nine kids. <laughs> so, um, and then I realized maybe I should just think about more who I want to be, not what I want to do and who I am, not what I'm trying to find. And I've been coaching tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs over the last decade to not let business and entrepreneurship define who you are. You know, you are not your mistakes. You are not your successes. You are not your accolades. You are not your wins. You are not your losses. You are not your podcast downloads. You are not what your critics say. You are probably not what your big evangelists say either. You are something more unique. You are disassociated to what you do. But I'd got so entrenched into the identity of an entrepreneur and all the things that I've supposedly done as an accolade. But I mean, yeah, okay, I broke two world records for public speaking, but someone out there's got more world records. I've got a huge pod last podcast in the UK, but I'm no Joe Rogan. I've got, you know, Decker plus million pound business, but some people have got a hundred million pound business. Mark and I have got 850 properties that we are co-own and manage and are in partnership with them. But some people have got 5,000 properties. I know someone who's got 10,000 properties. So where, where does it end? Where, where, where are we going here? Who is Rob trying to find in this search for, because I'm not going to get to the top on all of them. Um, all right, I've written, I, I once get this for stupid, right? I thought, well, Robert Kiyosaki sold 20 million copies of 
rich dad, poor dad. I might not sell 20 million copies of say money, but I might sell a million copies of 20 books. And then I thought, okay, well, I might not sell a million copies of 20 books, but I might sell a hundred thousand copies of 200 books. I'm like, Rob, what are you, you know, <laughs> uh, like if you think about a book, is your book any better if it sells a million copies or one copy? No, because you've already written your book and you've published it. So if you sell one copy or a million copies, it's exactly the same book. So what I learned in an author is, am I proud of my work? Then it really doesn't matter. Am I proud of my work? And so you reference retirement because I've just been leaking out a little bit um, that I'm probably about to retire again. Um, because what I want to do is let my team lead the company. I mean, I've got a brilliant MD. We've got 95 staff across th three companies that we have in two buildings. You know, 95 people doing eight hours a day is going to get far more work down than this guy doing 15 hours a day. Um, no, actually, to be fair, so uh, no, no, they are. They are. They are. Um, so I'm 41 and I want to make sure that um, I'm doing things for the right reasons and that my all, I love being an entrepreneur and I love all the, love the interviews, love the discussions, love the solutions, love the community, love the clients, you know, love the innovation, love the disruption, love the creation. I love all that. But when you take all that away, what's left? Me. Who am I? Isn't that just the journey? That is the journey, the creation, the innovation, the interviews. If you love that, then that is the journey, isn't it? That's what you enjoy. Or is it the, the you impact it if you, you have on people? Is it the, you know, if, if 20 million people read your book or if one million, one person read your book, if their impact was the same in that one person and it changed their life, is that the same and quantifiable as, as 20 million copies sold? Like yeah is it is it is it for the the changing of lives or the, or the the impact on people because you have a huge impact on so many people i watch your comments and podcasts and things like that you know and it's that changing of lives thing that's got to matter somewhat right yeah so there's a couple or three things in there so the first thing is someone asked me on an interview yesterday what's the definition of success and of course wisdom will tell you there is no single definition. There is an individual's definition. But I am going to state a single definition of success, having wanted to be a millionaire and becoming one, having one, wanted 50 properties, 100 properties, tick, 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 author, tick, podcast, tick, world record, tick. I believe success is being valuable. Um, now, Alfred Adler, in his um, philosophy of Adlerian psychology, believes that, true worth comes from being valuable and there's a million things that will dent or increase our self-worth which are extrinsic um, but as an interdependent species where we all need to serve each other like if we go back 10,000 years we were all equal the butcher the baker the cobbler the ironmonger they weren't one wasn't paid a hundred times more than the other they were all equal and they knew they were equal and we all needed each other in this little small community tribe we had. That's changed over time where the, the hierarchy of people has gone from horizontal, which is we're all equal in different trades, 
to vertical, which is you're the janitor and you're the CEO. But I think that's an illusion of humanity. We are all interdependent. We all need each other. So ultimately then success is being valuable because the more valuable you are to society, the more you help society evolve and grow. And I believe that one of the purposes of humanity is to evolve and evolution only comes through growth. It doesn't come through chilling and relaxing and doing less and not solving problems. Problems are forced growth. If you're green, you grow, you're ripe, you rot. Nothing stays the same. Um, so that's what I believe now success to be. And so I'm on the path of being more valuable, not having more accolades. And so therefore, okay, I think that that's spot on. If, as long as I can tune into having a million or a hundred million followers means I'm doing more good in the world for more people, as opposed to check out how many followers I've got on social or relying on it feeling good. I, I defy anyone who's got a podcast or has done lives. I know we've all done this, but when we've got big downloads or big views, we're like, yeah, that was great. And when it's a bit shit, we're like, hmm. And what I'm, I'm trying to transcend that. And when I'm trying to go. This case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what matters is, is the work good? And only you know if you've done good work. So, do you think your success uh, yeah. has, do you think you're, you've become more successful? Because listening to you, what you've just said there and, and, and has, because I, obviously we know each other, we've done stuff together. I used to speak at your, uh, networking events that you used to run and and the super conferences and things and going back 2010 10 years my god yeah. um, <clears throat> that is scary but if you look at what you've done from the way you've just described it you've you've built your businesses so that you now reach more and more people it used to be small networking events and it was the super conferences so say a couple of a thousand two thousand people and and then it went up to being more online and then with the podcast and the books you've just and you're now you're all across the world so it's mm. almost like your success has matched the amount like you just said more valuable it's almost could also be quantified as the more people you reach with your content as well yeah i mean you, you have not heard that? yeah i think so so um look i will admit in my mid-20s 27 28 i wanted to be a millionaire and i ticked that goal it, I have to correct you, Sally, just because this is important because it annoyed me. It was actually, it was actually well, I mean, yes, now that, but um, <laughs> what I was going to say is you said I said I was a millionaire by 30. I was actually before 31 because it really annoyed me that it wasn't before 30. It was like 30th birthday. I mean, what the, what, what the fuck does it matter? But to me, it mattered back then. And so I was probably out there, you know, you, you share your goals with everyone, you get accountable, you shout from the rooftops, there's no turning back, you burn the bridges, you go all in, you go big or you go home. And in my 20, you know, my mid to late 20s, that probably was me a bit more. And I remember being really annoyed that I was a millionaire by 31, not 30. Who cares? <laughs> no one cares. And now you would have not heard me for years talk about how much money I want to earn myself and how many more millions I want to make myself because no one cares. No one cares. Okay. Maybe your family, your wife or your husband, um, or, you know, your crew, <laughs> your posse, your, um, your groupies. All right. Maybe a few. Um, but really what people care about is how can you help them? How if you're able to get to that point only because you went through that period of, like you say, the 20s, 30s of burn the bridges, go big, go home, like to get to that point, because you see a lot of 
successful people um, who get to a point where they've obviously got enough money themselves to be comfortable, to have had the cars, the watches, to know that that then doesn't matter, to then say, now I'm about helping people. But yeah. do you think that's possible to do that from the start or do you have to go through that journey to get A rite of passage to get the Lamborghini. Yeah, because, you, you know, I haven't got a Lamborghini. I'd quite like one at some point. <laughs> You but can buy mine off me. It's 300 grand. <laughs> Done. But do you think, oh, you know, but I also love to, to add value and help, but but do you think you're in a better position because of what the way you've got yourself to now be able to serve at like a greater level? Yeah. I remember in maybe my early 30s to mid 30s, hearing all these billionaires say, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. And I always used to think, well, it's all right for you. You're a billionaire. Yeah. You've so, got it. you know, yeah. um, so it was my rite of passage, Kate. I can't say that it's right for everyone, but you know, the selfish and the selfless are very um, intrinsically inseparable. Um, for example, philanthropy is a very selfish act because of how it makes you feel. Mm. Um, and there is, you know, they say charity starts at home and you're not gonna get out of debt by giving all your money away or you know, you might give a lot to the world, but if you don't send invoices out, you don't get money back. So I think we've got to be balanced here because there's a lot of really great coaches, consultants, trainers. People have got brilliant information, but they're terrible at, at sales and marketing. They won't invoice for their work, that they're scared of charging. So my rite of passage, Kate, and if, if people want to model this call and if they want to do it a different way, that's their choice, was... I got myself into a big financial hole, got myself 50 grand in debt and had to go into selfish mode to get out of debt. I somehow was obsessed in my mid to late 20s with being a millionaire. It meant something back then. Don't forget it was 15 years ago. So maybe the, the prevailing message back then was more like that. Because if you think about 80s, 90s, 2000s, you could put themes, couldn't you? Um, and, and I clearly needed to tick that off the list. Um, and, and maybe it's easy for me to say now that I can make a big difference to others when I've got enough money for my lifetime and a few more to boot. But if I could go back, would I maybe have balanced a bit more the selfish with the selfless? Well, I clearly did, because you cannot become a millionaire without serving others. You simply can't. I was selling um, properties. I was selling training courses. I was writing books. And these had equity and value for other people. Otherwise, they wouldn't have bought them. Um, and, you know, to, to become a, a, a net worth millionaire yourself, true net worth millionaire, not just a million pounds worth of property with 1.2 million pounds of the mortgages, like a lot of people have. Um, I, I, we might have had to have done 50 million in turnover, net, 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 when you take all the tax and, you know, then you draw your corp tax and then you pay your personal tax and then you split it with your business partner. So there's a lot of value creation in me achieving that goal. But I think I'm just more aware now of, um, the value of value creation. Um, so yeah, it was my rite of passage, but it doesn't have to be separate. It doesn't have to be like, well, for 10 years, like Bill Gates, 30 years, obsessed, didn't he? Millionaire, billionaire, com you know, um, consumerism, con commercial. And then it's like, oh, I'm 55, 60, philanthropy, philanthropy, philanthropy. That's why I set up my foundation at age 37, not 65, which is about the age most people set up a foundation. Why do I have to separate them? Why can't I balance the selfish and the selfless? Because by the way, maximum human evolution and growth will be when you balance the selfish and the selfless. When you negate self or when you inflate self, that's when you're out of balance. 
A company needs to make profit, otherwise it can't reinvest in innovation and growth. But if a company is too greedy and profitable or monopolistic, then of course it's going to be pulled back into balance with legal cases or reputational issues. So maybe wisdom is in balance. It's hard to get that balance though, because if you, you, you know, with anything with business, you, you're concentrating, you're over here, you're over here, you're over here, you're over here, then you're over here and you, each side sort of gets neglected and then you, 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 you're not giving enough and you're taking or you're taking too much and not giving. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real art form, I think, to get that balance. Um, and you've obviously done it without even knowing, which is even more sickening. Um, and now obviously you've got the awareness of it, which is great, but how do you think, how do you think it, the business owner can get that that balance or, or look for that balance? Hmm. So I don't want anyone to have any illusion that I have perfect balance and harmony or that everything I touch turns to gold or that I'm really successful in a load of it. Blah, 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 blah. Light was sort of intimated um, because there's a cost to everything that you focus on um, and where you obsess somewhere, you will probably be rep repressed somewhere else. And I believe that everything in life exists in polar opposites and balance. I mean, if you look at language, you know, often the polar opposites are reflected in language, omit, comet, you know, the, and you, know, you could pick up 10,000 words in the English language, which are polar opposites that exist. And what I think humanity tries to do, people try to do, emotions force us to do, is to try and separate them, to have a delusion that everything is a fantasy and all upside or everything is all, all downside. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> how, do you, how do you separate selfless from selfish? And get that balance. You can't. Right? You can't. How, how can you separate what can't be separated? They have to coexist in harmony together in some way, but how? How do you do that? How do you drive your Lamborghini but still feel like you're not, a, you know, showing the world how much money you've made? I mean, we just had a comment um, from uh, John Conroy. He's just saying he loves how you're so normal uh, and, and how just so just down to earth, you know, and you know how do you do that how do you i think that's the question kate's asking how do you be selfless whilst also having to be selfish and build your businesses how do you be so normal well i think your emotions are feedback to your environment so people talk about intuition don't they um your emotions are feedback to environment so if you're feeling guilt and shame that's feedback to something in your environment which is probably interpersonal because let's be honest um if you took all human beings away there would be no one or anything to trigger you. So um, you, what if you're feeling elation or pride, you're overinflated, you're going to get humiliated. If you're feeling humiliated, you're subordinating and you know, you're probably going to get some support. So the intuition via your emotional feedback would be one. I think the greatest thing you can do to create, I, I don't really talk about balance because um, I think in some ways balance is a myth because I don't think anyone was born on this planet to be a bit of everything. You know, the cobbler's got to be good at making shoes. The ironmonger's got to be good at making things out of iron. The baker's got to be good at baking. The butcher's got to be good at butchery. So I think actually our purpose is to be specialist at something, really good at something or some things. Entrepreneurs can often be a wider commercial reach. Um, so understanding your values, what's most important to you in your life and what your purpose and vision and calling is. So my personal vision, 
which I articulated maybe five or six years ago, but I was working towards for the 10 years before it. And now I'm absolutely clear that that is my mission and vision and obsession for the rest of my life. I'll have 50, 60 years left of me on this at least is um, to help as many people across the planet start and scale their business and get a better financial education. So that's not a balance. That's a, a mission and a mission can be an obsession as long as it's a healthy obsession. Mm. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dentist. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not trying to be anything else. So I think in your mission and vision, you shouldn't necessarily look for balance. You should look for pursuing that, um, which will give you the greatest sense of satisfaction and progress. You'll endure the greatest challenges and you'll, you'll matter and make a difference. I think where people talk about balance is maybe in the areas of your life like health, wealth, spiritual well-being, um, vocation, etc. And, you know, they say, don't they? I think this might have been Zig Ziglar or um, Jim Rohn. I always like to quote people um, where focus goes, energy flows and results show. So whatever you focus on, you're going to manifest results in your life. But where you don't focus, those uh, that weeds are going to grow. So if you're looking for more of a balanced lifestyle, you've got to focus on the areas that you want to improve. Now, because time over here has a cost over here, you've got to be clear where you want to invest your time. So if you've got health and fitness, got to get down the gym and eat well, that takes time. If you've got family, you know, you want to do recreational and social, you know, with your family and spend time with them. You've got vocational, which is your business. You've got financial, which is your money. You've got spiritual, which is your meditation and your beliefs and whatever else. Um, where focus goes, energy flows and results show. So you've got to then prioritize your time um, and have a clear plan and compartmentalize your diary so that you take out overwhelm, frustration, procrastination, and you have accountability and then set to work on focusing on those areas. And I am an obsessive personality. Anyone who knows me knows that. And I can really get caught up in addictions, work and entrepreneurship being my greatest addiction. And, you know, that's obviously more healthy than coffee. It's a good job I don't drink or do drugs or any other addictive. Uh, I don't gamble. And that's a, believe you me, that's a good job. Um, so I have my, my this, is pro, this is why I've manifested these results that you see in entrepreneurship, because that's where I've put my time, energy and focus. But what, at what cost? Now, um, thankfully, I've made time for um, health and fitness. I have definitely not being honest with you, um, Sally, Kate, made enough time for my family at times. Um, I have at times been like when I took Bobby around the world playing his golf um, before Ariana was born or when she was born. Um, but again, I'm sort of in and out. I think my wife and I separated our roles and responsibilities too much, where she would do all raising kids and I would do all vocational. Um, and maybe that was unhealthy and we thought we were supporting each other, but maybe there needed to be a bit more balance there. But um, you've got to have a, a set intention of what balance looks like. You can't just go, oh, that's messed up. I'll go and invest time in that area for the sake of it. And you definitely can't subordinate to what other people say that you should be doing. Um, I wrote a book called Routine Equals Results. Um, it's a very short book. It's a practical book. But we all have different circadian rhythms and energy in the day. And you have the night owl and the early bird. And I'm the early bird. Um, and, you know, you have tasks you love to do and tasks you hate to do and tasks you, you should do and tasks you shouldn't do. You have other people's emergencies and priorities. You have your own priorities. You have your key life areas, your key result areas, your income generating tasks. And sitting down and getting your diary out 
and doing a bit of a, a work log for a few weeks and looking at where you put your time all day, every day, you'll be shocked at how much wastage there is and overwhelm and task jumping. And then you go, right, what's my mission? What's my vision? What's my key life areas like health, fitness, relationships? What's my key result areas like strategy, vision, brand? What are my income generating tasks? Speaking, training, selling. Um, and then you put your tasks in the diary. You know, like it seems weird to book in time with your husband or wife or book in time with your kids because people think, well, you just you put things in the diary, in the agenda, which are work based. No, you put everything in because what you don't put in will get consumed with what someone else puts in. Um, and I think that that's really important to get the balance that you want. But of course, if you want balance in 15 different areas of your life, the cost and the consequence is probably not doing any of them very well. If you obsess over one thing, you'll become the greatest in the world at it, but there'll be cost everywhere else. And that's got to be your choice on where you want to focus. I've got one last question for you, Rob, just before we finish. And it is, what would you say most entrepreneurs make the biggest mistake of? You must have met a lot of entrepreneurs in your time, come and gone, competed with you, not competed with you, been in your training rooms, people that you've interviewed, been interviewed by, whatever the case may be. Is there a thing that they tend to do wrong or something you've noticed that if they just did this one thing, they would have been successful? Is there a common denominator that you've you've seen or thought of or maybe advise them on in the past? Well, I think it depends on how you define as wrong because um, you could- Holding them back, something that's holding them back. Okay, but, but you, because you could argue that nothing is wrong because for something to have been wrong, that would be the perception that it should have been different, but nothing is ever different. It always what it, it is what it is. So um, there's a million reasons why competitors in my space have come and gone. Many of those would be, they weren't really in the right field. They didn't really have the right skills. Some of them may have had a significant life event, a death, um, a change of heart or career. They might have been um, not really made for that world or be robust enough in or have a clear enough vision. There's a load of reasons. You sort of pin me down there, Sally, to if there's one main thing. And so I'll, I'll give you it. And I would say it's that balance between persistence and consistency so persistence is of course the art of going on when it gets hard now it will always get hard kate earlier said yeah but it's hard and as soon as she said that i thought yeah and that makes it good because then it's hard for everyone else which means that you know I, in a way i loved the lockdown because i thought it's going to be so hard for everyone so it's a great leveler so if you just go yeah it's going to be hard but it's hard for everyone therefore i'm going to step up you're already halfway to winning so if it's hard it's probably good if it's hard it's probably meaningful um you know a tree will grow at the speed that a tree grows so you could you could plant an acorn and you could dance and scream and shout at that acorn every day to grow faster but that tree grows at the speed that that tree grows and the only you know so you have to let that tree grow so persistence is getting up, facing challenges. What is it, the saying? I think this was Churchill. If you're going through hell, keep going. Um, never, ever, ever, ever give up. Now, never, ever, ever, ever give up towards your personal mission and vision that you know you're inspired to do, that is your right path and calling. Other things it is wise to give up on. Um, too much persistence annoys people. So consistency is the slow and steady, every day, just you know making a bit of progress i know you didn't want to talk about um property sally but i'm going to use this example because i think it's just the best one i've found like you're in property and you know um that 
if you buy five properties in one year from a standing start, that's probably a pretty good result. Like you've got to be happy with that. Let's say five, let's say 10, it doesn't matter. So let's say 10. Um, so assume those 10 are all bought on a different day. They're not all exchanged on the same day because they're not a block of 10. Um, that means that for 10 days out of 365, you've bought a house. And for 355 days out of 365 days, you have not bought a house. <laughs> and that's a fucking good year. I don't know if we can swear on this. I just did. It's right at the end, though. So then that's a good year. So that consistency is about what do you do that's boring, but you keep going, sitting on your hands. Warren Buffett makes two, three investments a year. Yet he reads five hours of reports a day. So for him, it's probably as much about what he doesn't invest in and what he doesn't get distracted in. And what he doesn't chase and change and chop and be allured by, like cryptos and NASDAQ, you know, they were so alluring, but no, 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 no. I do my thing. I do my two or three investments a year. And over the long term, look at my net worth go. Um, so persistence and consistency, I reckon, are the two things that people get wrong. And it's emotional volatility or lack of vision and direction, which takes them off path. I like the way you said as well, it's it's just as much to do with what you don't do as to much as what you actually do do. And I think that, that's, I like that, it's really cool. And you only fail when you quit, don't you? Yeah, you, you do. You just and that, moving forward. Exactly, that's the 355 days where I tried to buy a house and didn't buy a house. But if I stopped, if I stopped on day 355, assuming it's linear, I wouldn't get my 10 properties. Rob, you've been absolutely amazing. Can I just thank you. thank you so much to everybody listening here. This is Rob Moore, the disruptive entrepreneur. He has an amazing podcast. You might want to check him out. How else can they find you, Rob? Where are you hanging out these days? People want to follow you and check you out. Where? Where's yeah, I mean, pretty much everywhere on social media. My name, Rob Moore, M-O-O-R-E. My podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. I've written loads of books. If you search on Amazon or Google, I, I put content out every single day, thousands of hours. So there's plenty to um, consume. Awesome. Thank you, Rob. You've been Thank absolutely you. amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.